0: So it's the coolest thing ever. Um, But again, it's that upstream mentality. How do we correct the problem that's been plaguing our school and bothering us for the longest time or going against us? Um, That's the part that I really dug into with with this book. For over 260 episodes,
1: Dwayne Brummett and Ali Albarigo have been sharing how to take your martial arts school to the next level. Welcome to another edition of SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Now, here's your host, Dwayne and Allie. Hello, Dwayne Brummett here with Allie Albarigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Good morning, Allie. Great to be with you, sir.
0: Yeah, great to be with you, too, Dwayne. And so always is. And we had, to, for the listeners, they don't know, we get on a little early, we get to talk and hang out a bit. and Chat, even though that you're all the way in, uh, you know, Chicago or or Illinois, right, Illinois, and I'm all the way in Long Island, New York. It's
1: amazing. Yeah. And, you know, look, we've been doing this for, I don't know, what, uh, five years or so? uh, Something like that. Crazy. I know everyone says that to us. They're like, you're
0: the most, either the most stubborn podcasters or that you are not going to quit or, um, you know, you're doing something right and you guys have a great chemistry and we do. And, and, uh, we've been having some great guests online, um, which is very cool. And, uh, you know, some amazing topics. And and now we have some amazing sponsors too, that people are
1: wanting to come into us and saying, we want to sponsor you, which is exciting, you know? Yeah. And, and, and look like we, uh, you know, when I reached out to you before and said, "Hey, I want to do a podcast, uh, but you know, I just want to give back to the martial arts industry. Yeah. would you would you mind being a part of it?" And you're like, yeah, absolutely and 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 I'm very appreciative of that because um I, I think I don't think anybody would listen to me if I was just sitting here talking to myself. Um, <laughs> and 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 we agree on a lot, but we also disagree on some things, which has been good
0: yeah and, and yeah i don't know we we disagree slightly i think we think a lot alike however you're right like for for instance our review today of this book um <laughs> you know uh the last book that i read not atomic habits but who not how that you bought for me as a gift and then that was our first book that we ever reviewed i said i don't know Dwayne, i'm having a real hard time but that was like halfway through the book and then uh and then it kicked in for me and I loved it. Right. Then the second book, phenomenal. Like, love that from the minute I opened it, Atomic Habits that we reviewed. And then I had rec- this is my first recommendation is uh, Upstream. And it was actually recommended to us by, uh, or recommended to me by Solomon Brenner. Yeah. And, and uh, Upstream is a great book. I thought it was incredible, but you
1: had a tough time with it. Right. I, it it is an incredible book. I don't want to take away from Dan Heath, uh, the author, because it is incredible. Uh, There are uh, a lot of stories that I feel are important, but could have been a little bit more concise. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I did feel like it went on and on and on and on and on. Now, the concept of upstream and downstream thinking was interesting But uh, I don't know, it just seems like nowadays people are coming up with words, which I get. So you wanna come up with words that you own that nobody else owns, that they become your words Mm -hmm. when you're talking to your uh, followers, your tribe. So I get that, but the concept of upstream is just forward thinking. Yeah. Like, how, I mean, it's, how, it's deeper than that, but it, it, I mean, it really, it's like, why don't you just call it forward thinking? You know, I don't know yeah. why that bothered me. Uh,
0: yeah. And you know what I found it to be like from the opening of the book where I think like within the first chapter or two, he tells a story of, and I'm going to paraphrase and it's in my memory this way. So if it's wrong, it's how I remember it being told in the book in my own head. So um, it's the two brothers they're on the, the, the beach or or the sand of a lake and they look out in the river or the lake and they see a kid drowning. And one brother jumps in the water, runs out, swims out, gets him, and brings him back to shore. No sooner did the kid get to shore, there's another kid out there drowning, and the other brother goes out and gets him and comes back. And uh it happens one more time. So before the brother starts to go out he starts running up the beach to to the to the upstream of where the lake is and the one brother goes i can't handle all these kids by myself by myself pulling them in and bringing them back he says don't worry i'm going to tackle the guy who keeps throwing the kids in the water and i for me that resonated because i think especially in our industry i've always lived my and i've been doing this for 30 years and you've been doing it for a long time too uh, in my head, sometimes I find myself saying, I can't believe it, less so now than ever, but I can't believe it, uh, the, that parent just doesn't get it, or that student will never last, or I can't believe that this is the way they think, and it really helped me thinking ahead, like forward thought, like what is upstream, what can we correct ahead of time to fix the problems that plagues our industry and that's the way i i really dug in on that book i thought that that was a really cool concept
1: it is it is but i just it was kind of overplayed (laughs) (laughs) well i think sometimes right like this book was a long book too it was you know
0: yes thousand some on pages that they probably could have done the book in maybe you know 700 pages right it was a little bit longer but um he is uh he's pretty good at um statistical tracking and you know this organization did this and this organization did that and here are the stats and here's what we found and there's a lot of that that hammers on um the message but I think maybe it's done a little bit too much to the point where you're like, you know, I want to scan through on my phone while I'm reading it and go like, I, do I really need to know another, you know, thousand words of this same example? Like, let's get to the point already. You know, that kind of thing. I did find that to be the case.
1: So um, do you let's do this. Do you want to explain um, what upstream means and what downstream means just yeah. so that we kind of set the tone here? Sure. Um
0: I believe from my interpretation of the story um, upstream is what is happening um, now. Um, you know, and what could be corrected from, from, you know, what mistakes we should have learned, downstream is the immediate now and the problem, right? So downstream is where we are right now without having foresight into the future about why we're dealing with a problem. I'll give you an example. In the book, I think they talked about um, battered women at one point. I forget what chapter it was, but they talked about how, um, you know, how battered women get murdered at a higher rate because the police don't respond quick enough or they do respond, but there's not much that they can do about it. Um, So that's the downstream problem. Women being abused, women being murdered by their spouses. But when they took and they looked at it and analyzed, of course, the statistics, they noticed that a lot of it had to do with certain triggers. And I remember the trigger, one trigger being a husband or, or wife. Let's just say, uh, but the husband being out of work and then another high end part was drinking alcohol or drug abuse. And if he had those two combined and they were abusive to the wife, there was a high chance that they were going to murder or, you know, injure incredibly uh, their spouse. So they said, how can we start changing those scenarios? And they they, they went into going to the spouse, the, the abuser, before it happened and helping them with the job, helping them with their alcohol problem and their dependency and their anger issues versus arresting them and threatening them. They went in and they solved the problem and they found that they reduced the chances dramatically by going upstream and looking at what causes it versus the solution immediately now. Like if someone... If someone throws a punch at your face and we're teaching them kind of a downstream mindset where what if someone does this? What if they grab you? What if they kick you or punch you? Well, this is what we do. Now, what if we're able to say upstream, what if you see that person's angry if you walked away and got out of there quickly. I just saw the funniest comedian, dude, it was hysterical. He goes, self-defense classes? That's ridiculous. He says, Why would you bother taking self-defense classes? You just gotta learn to scream like a crazy person, really loud. So the guy goes to about to punch you in the face. You just cover up and start screaming. And he's screaming and he's ducking and he's screaming and he's running and he's scream. He goes, Who's gonna punch a guy like that? It, it just you know, like why do you need to learn how to defend yourself? Just learn how to scream. So that was his upstream methodology but it was hysterical i showed it to nicole we were both cracking up so i think that that's the real issue is sometimes we're not looking at the pro we're looking at the problem and we're trying to do damage control now put the fire out and we tend to in the martial art business do that over and over again it's almost well, like we get holes in the bucket you know for retention like what are we going to do well we just need we lose 20 a month So let's add 40 a month. That'll solve the problem. But what if you were able to reduce, and that's been a topic of our call, quite uh, a few other uh, interviews. What if we reduced or or brought our retention rate up by 5% only? Imagine the amount of students you'd have at the end of the year. That's kind of my thought on that.
1: Yeah, and it's the difference between, um, you know, forward thinking and then reacting. Right. Now, granted, some things you have to react to. Mm Mm-hmm. But then you need to go back and go, okay, especially if it keeps reoccurring in your business, you have to go back and go, how can I make sure that this isn't a reoccurring problem in my business anymore?
0: Yeah. But isn't it interesting, Dwayne? I'm sure you could admit to it. I'm scrolling on my phone right now to one of the topics, the subjects. But um, can, can you imagine, though, or well, you do know this, you've coached people and you speak to enough martial artists, like how many people will use the excuse, like, that's not in my school. Or um, I can't do that. I teach Kung Fu or ninjutsu or, you know, that, or those students are just weak. You know, I I have a dear friend, love him to absolute death. And um, he's always talking about McDojos. Don't, you know, the last meme was, um, don't let friends train at McDojos. And I'm like, I'm so tired of that term. It, It really irks me because I'm like, it's really not, a, there's no such thing as a McDojo. And, and people will argue with me, but what I'm just saying, there, you could call a McDojo a belt factory. You could call a McDojo a, a, comp, a school that gives out a black belt in two years, um, but that's your standards. It doesn't mean that what they're doing is incorrect. That's their standards. And that's, it might not meet your standards. But it doesn't mean that they're doing anything wrong unless they're ripping people off, you know, and cheating them. That's a different story. But so what do you think about that?
1: Well, I've been called a belt factory before, but most of that, I believe, has been jealousy from the other, uh, you know, martial arts business owners in this town. Well, but maybe, though, maybe to them
0: in their concept, you are a belt factory. Like, but that's probably because maybe they look at belts differently. Like when I went to Japan, I witnessed a test in a high school going on with a Kyoko Shinkai karate school. There was like 50 or 60 people, young teenagers or high schoolers, testing for martial arts. And then at the end, they got black belts. I'm like, wow, they got their black belt. And my teacher said, no, that's fourth and fifth degree. They literally, or third, second and third degree, I'm sorry. And they said that literally he said to me, that's their standard. They don't think black belt is such a big deal. That's just a starting point for them. You know, that's like two and a half, three years into their training for us. And I fell into this trap, dude, when I would do black belts, every black belt test I did, I upped the ante. We would run three miles. The next test we'd run four miles. The next test I added on a thousand jumping jacks. And then before I was done and until I caught myself they would have had to have been superhuman by now to be able to pass a black belt test. It was just ridiculous, the standards that I was putting on and pushing them. So I kind of cut it back, tailored it back slightly, and then I found a way to make it better. But um, I wasn't really looking at it that way. I wanted the standards to be my standards. And everybody else who wasn't doing it my way was, was selling out, so to speak. But I, I find the McDojo term to be pathetic.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. But um, – you know, with regards to the forward thinking, we we are uh, a, a reactive species. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know that this is always in our, everybody's nature to, you know, th- think upstream rather than, you know, uh, responding to the downstream things that are happening. But it is so important for us in our business. I and mean, I think that would be the one thing that I would say that was important about this book is to reevaluate, for me, reevaluate the things that are happening in my business. um, Anything that's reoccurring. So one thing that I did, you know, I'm training some new program directors. Yeah. Yeah. But I told them, you know, in this process, as you're seeing things and as you're learning things, um, if you see a reoccurring question, if you see a reoccurring problem, if you see anything that's reoccurring um, that you believe that, you know, if if we just thought ahead, if we just communicated X, Y or Z, then this wouldn't be an issue at all. Yeah. Let me know. Yeah. Because then I will put in place, you know, steps that are going to allow that to, you know, take care of that so that that isn't that isn't a problem um, yeah. in the future. And I have to
0: I have to say I learned a lot from you on this because like you're very good at really explaining things via video and audio and a combination of the two with a written and you're always onboarding or helping your students by giving them the tools so you know many times in my life I've said things like they'll just never get it I'll give you a perfect example like I, I look out and see all the kids how they tie belts and I'm like what is wrong? Like, when are they ever going to learn how to tie their belts? Like, you know, so I thought to myself, because of this book upstream, I could either throw my hands in the air and say never, or give up hope because, um, it's not happening. Or I could change my methodology and train them how to do it. So I created what is called a belt tie challenge. And I made a video of me doing the belt and in a few different angles and directions. And then I pushed it out to all the people via the video. And um, kids are literally coming in now. And, and like a, a kid the other day, he came in, he's, and his belt is in his hand. I'm like, oh, buddy, you want me to tie it? No, no, his mom says. He wants to show you that he could tie it on his own. And boom, 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 he's like beaming with pride. Now you'd think like tying on a belt is not such a big deal, but when we, especially when we're tying it on our kids and saying, get off into class. But now you give this kid responsibility and, and they're tying their belt properly. They're proud. That's one step in developing self-confidence and self-esteem. So, um, you know, that's the, the upstream problem was solved by me creating a trainings competition. Uh, and it, by the way, it lasted really hot for like two weeks, and now it's back to kids not practicing or learning. So I have to revitalize that within my school. But i um, asking the right questions is important.
1: Yeah, can I make a suggestion with that? Yeah, because we have yeah we have our our, our uh, like our five onboarding videos for our students. One of them is belt tying, mm-hmm. and we have a stripe. It's a purple stripe, but we have a stripe that's attributed to knowing how to tie your belt. Okay and so um, what we do is in in that uh, in one of those five videos I, I talk to them about learning how to tie their belt and then um, I, I challenge them to you know learn how to tie it and then come into their very next class and demonstrate it so that they can earn their very first stripe on their belt. love it. So that has really helped to solve that problem and in, in, in I would say 80% of the problem cases. Yeah. Maybe I could reach out to
0: Jason, who we did a call with, right? We did a call with Jason just recently, or was it on the other, it was us, right? And uh, maybe he has a special, cause he does belt stripes, customized belt stripes. Maybe he has one for that, but you're right though. Like, so, so what do I do? I could be my old self from 15 years ago and go, people are stupid. They're never going to get it. They don't care. The parents are too busy. They don't, or I can say, how do I, cause the parents, I, I, I realize the parents care they're just so overwhelmed. Yes, you know they're they're. You know, I'm sorry, I forgot my belt. It's never like I was lazy sitting by the pool and I forgot my belt or I forgot my uniform. It's more like, well, he was with his dad for the weekend, or I rushed home from work and we thought we had it. So, so there's so many different things. So I need to work on that communication. So what I also did was put together a questionnaire um, that asked people, like I said, I'm putting together this questionnaire, most commonly asked questions from parents or students that they would like to have answered. I said, uh, this stemmed from a conversation with a mom that I had and uh, procedures they were receiving their uniform. When did they uh, get their belts? And, and she had no idea. So I put together this questionnaire with just four basic questions. What is the first question you had? ever and it could have been a a brown belt they were helping me by saying this is what i thought when i first joined and uh, the one mom wrote how will we know when rooney is eligible for her belt if someone is tracking it or noticing her progress right the second question was what is this what's the second question you have and she wrote what is the promotion earned belt based on attendance ability all legitimate questions that i thought i had communicated and it's in our app but for some reason, she didn't look at it or see it. The next question was, uh, what's your third question? Do some children do okay in class, but are not naturals? Just wondering if most kids can excel because her kid is not a natural. And I was never a natural. Like, so, and then the last question, tell us your thoughts on what we could do better. Um, and uh, it says, uh, what's the maximum number of kids allowed in to train in a class? And uh, that was based off of Zoom. So I went into that as well. So, um, you know, like, Asking people what those questions are helped me because now I made like four training videos how to wear the uniform, what to wear, you know, how to another video on how people get promoted and what are those criteria. And the third one was on the belt tying. So I'm trying to upstream it so that this is automated um, and people just get it when they first join and those questions will be eliminated.
1: Yeah. And um, we have the onboarding for the student, you know, those five videos. But I also have an onboarding for the parents as well. So they get a series of uh, five videos, or excuse me, they actually get six videos. Right. The first video is on YouTube and that basically just shows them how to download our app, make sure it's hooked up correctly, right? Right. But then after that, I have a a parents section inside of the app. Mm -hmm. So the other five videos get dripped in the app because I want them to know how to use the app. Yeah. So I'm forcing them to watch those welcome videos, if you will. Yeah. Via the app. Mm-hmm. I love it. You, it,
0: it's called Snagit, right? Or snap it. That program that we got on our phone, you told me about which one that you use to make the audio. The screen capture? Yeah. I yeah, forget yeah. the name. I forget the name of it, but, um, that was a great capture. It's called. Yeah. It's called capture the app. Um, but, uh, that was great when you shared that with me. I could hold up my phone. It took me a few times to practice. I talk into the phone and I'm able to scroll through. Go, you see, this is what the app looks like. Look, this is where you push on the app, this is where you download the app. And then I, I found that we were having a lot of problems with our app because parents were going in and signing up with an email. Maybe the mom signed up but the dad bought the app and now the emails weren't working. So they weren't getting the class schedule or it wasn't identifying with the student. Right. So um, I put that in my, my tutorial. If you don't see this blue button for classes, that means that you use an incorrect email. And if you don't have this and that, and it literally, when I send out, I have people that are brand new before they have even stepped into my school, they've already had the app downloaded and they're already, watching things on classes so it's the coolest thing ever um but again it's that upstream mentality how do we correct the problem that's been plaguing our school and bothering us for the longest time or going against us um that's the part that i really dug into with the uh with this book
1: yeah and so uh there's another idea here mr bean actually thought about this my head instructor but um we came up with what were what were called practice cards Mm-hmm. And basically we took spark, you know, uh, and we created surveys and in those surveys, we have, um, different practice cards in there. So like one of the practice cards might be, you know, uh, you know, uh, do, uh, do, um, uh, do your hand technique three times and then check yes do your foot technique three times check yes do your form once check yes da, 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 da. and and that actually gets emailed to them at certain periods right to help the home practice and That's we're rough. actually getting we're actually getting people filling out those surveys and turning them back in now for us our are so we're getting i would say probably, and we're only doing this with our advanced students. Cause I was like, let's just do a trial run with our advanced students first, but we've got about, I don't know, 25 to 30% of our advanced students now doing the, uh, the practice cards. Right. And so then we're talking, how do we track this in such a way that it is not overwhelming for us? Right. But reward the students that are actually Doing the practice cards mm-hmm. in front of all the other students that aren't doing the aren't. Practice cards. Yeah,
0: yeah, so, highlighting
1: them. Yeah, so we're trying to come up with with oh, we don't know if we're gonna do stripes or patches or or whatever. Yeah. But and then our other thought was, you know, what if we were to do that and 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 part of the and you talk about eligibility to be able to test. You know, one is attendance, two is the knowledge of the techniques, mm-hmm. three is attitude. You know, uh, physical ability, but. Maybe another one would be you've had to have completed, you know, 10 practice cards over the three months.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. You see, I love that. And, and for me, I, I um, that goes back to that book, ha- uh, Atomic Habits, that we did. I read that book from a martial artist point of view and a teacher. Like I read that book and I kept saying, if my kids have a sloppy horse stance or a sloppy one 2 punch or whatever it is, lo- soft blocks. But they never trained in the martial arts before. That's my fault because they're just not, they might naturally be lazy and soft, but we have to instill in them the desire through a habit of continually reinforcing the training. I'll give you another example where um, my students, when they walk through the door, they bow. And then they go and they take off their shoes and then they go on the floor. They bow in four spots and they wait to be bowed onto the floor. So sometimes they walk through the door and they run. And I'm like, I now had, you know, I could always remind them and say, no, no, go back. But now I have a black belt waiting there doing the temperature check and saying, bow at the mat, always bow. So now it's starting to become habitual because I have someone there continuously reminding them over and over and over again. What does that do? It creates a habit. And once the habit is ingrained in their head, they're then hopefully going to do it unless we let them slack and then stop reinforcing this. Again, another problem on our end, as far as martial artists go, where we push an agenda and then forget about it. It's like training a program manager. You train them and you get them up and running. If you just let them to do their own thing, they're going to miss a step. I used to have my people do it. Yeah. I don't do that last four steps. It doesn't work for me. And I'm like, no, you have to. So I had to be on it and continuously training them and staying on top of them, or else they just start doing their own thing, eventually making it their own adaptation and eliminating things.
1: Well, you have to inspect what you expect. You just have yes. to,
0: you know, absolutely.
1: Yeah. And yeah. Well, so I've got, I don't know. I, my camera there but uh you 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 get the life you tolerate you probably can't see it but right no i can't see
0: it in the in the picture
1: Yeah, it's i don't know yeah that's
0: one of your statements it's like a a plaque on the wall
1: it is yeah you know so the um uh the little bitty things you can send pictures and get uh framed yeah 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 that's what it says it says you know you 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 go you it gets you you get the life you tolerate and I took, that, I took that from the Who Not How book. Yep. Hey, listen, l- this
0: is the funny thing. Like, like parents are afraid to parent these days. Not all of them, but some of them are afraid to parent. Like meaning don't talk to me like that or don't ever say that to me or don't ever do this because they're afraid that the kids are not going to love them as much. Well, they want to
1: be their buddy.
0: Yeah. So, so like with my daughter we've never ever had an issue where she walked to her bedroom and slammed the door and said i hate you like you know we've always had an agreement since she was an infant like three years old that we always talked and said listen we'll never say something mean like i don't love you Or anything like that, because you never know what tomorrow may bring, and you don't want that to be the last thing you ever said. So I said we're always gonna voice our opinion if we're upset with something, but you have to understand you our rule in the house is to do it in a respectful way. Now my daughter's not perfect, she gives me attitude, rolls her eyes, she's 21 years old, sometimes she gets frustrated. But overall, we have a really good understanding. I don't even want to say relationship, but an understanding of uh, how we communicate in our school, and we don't, in our house. We don't fight, we don't yell, we don't throw things and smash things and slam doors. We just don't do it. Our houses are very calm, you know, voices get raised and sarcastic comments get made, you know, just like normal people. But overall, that's what I've established. So like the same thing for your dojo. You know, I, I have to do that in my school. I have to remind people they can't just talk while I'm talking. They can't just interject and talk. I'm like, you haven't been asked a question. When you want to ask a question or answer, you raise your hand. If I say any questions, if not, you just stay quiet, you train. And I say, train and go. And you do, you don't have to interject. We're not having a conversation. We don't need to have a conversation. So that's the way I brought people up in my school. And that's how I continually to create those habits and methods. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. How about, how about, um, how about, wasn't it interesting though, like, um, you know, how the chapter six was called, how will you change the system? And I don't remember the story, but let me tap into There's many, many stories that I thought were really cool. But, um, he talked about, uh, you know, like different companies and how systems were set out and how they, how you go about changing something. Cause change is tough for everybody. Right. So, um, you know, I don't know if you remember that particular chapter or what it was about, but you know, it was, uh, uh, I forget a guy is in college. It said that he was being toured around his college and, and then he had a guy showing him the ropes and, um, you know, he, it was all about the system of how they indoctrinated him into the, the school. And, um, I thought that was interesting because, uh, you know, what are we doing in our schools that we could change the way we, we, what do we call it? Onboard our students, right? Whether it be onboard digitally or onboard. And by the way, I just did a coaching call this morning where in the coaching call, I, I gave an assignment to the client and I said, we need to have two different cheat sheets for like the program manager, or the head instructor. So an index card to remind us of all the things that we always forget. Like you ever say, Oh, I, I wanted to offer them, they called up for a trial. I should have said, Hey, do you want to bring a friend? But we forget. And I know I do. And then I'm like, oh, I could have had an opportunity if we make that a habit. And every call calls and we say, okay, let's set you up for Thursday. Do you want to bring a friend with you? Oh, yeah, I'd love, or a sibling, or a cousin, or whatever. So I said, make a trial class cheat sheet um, and ask if they want to bring a friend and make sure that you ask if they know where you're located and ask if you, you know, all the questions that may arise, but have it on a little cheat sheet. So the minute you're on the phone or your minute you're texting. You could look at that so you never forget. And it's a simple little thing, but it's a reminder so that you're not downstream going, ah, oh, I should have remembered, I wish I did, I couldn't, you know, and you regret it.
1: Well, yeah, and and so uh, we originally had our phone script. Mm-hmm. I have since digitized it with regards to, now it's a uh, uh, it's a survey. And so uh, that, you know how you can say, bookmarks on your uh yeah on your browser so i at the studio there's a bookmark browser you click on it and then it pulls it up and they just read it and i even have it color coded so like for instance if it is for a kid then i think it's like green and then they skip all these other questions and they go down to the green section and they start asking that or whatever the yeah, color right, is, right. Right. Gotcha.
0: yeah so if, if um, it's an adult you go to the adult section and then you have your series of questions and so on
1: yeah and so then they 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 because i i just and they uh, created this uh training for my program directors because of course over the past year i've been doing it myself right you know? Right. And and uh so but anyways we uh you know we, we we go all the way through that then you hit the submit button like you do for any survey right and then it pulls up my dropbox link uh mm-hmm. in there and it's the rest of the phone script that you know we go through and 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 so you know part of it is it, it goes uh you know hey mrs jones we, we you know now uh, we do find that uh you know students that uh, try with uh, with a friend or a family member actually uh, enjoy the program even more would would uh, would there be a friend or a family member johnny would like to bring into class with him right and so th- we have the script so it's yeah. not even a little note card i mean they have to follow that's script, great though you yeah know? no i love that Dwayne, and that's great
0: especially if you're doing it and you built that into your systems and you trained your program managers to do it every time um i find that even myself i forget like mm-hmm. I, and i know i developed the system and i tell my people and my clients and i forget you know so um having that script is very important and it could be a script that you could loosely follow some of the verbiage but it reminds you of every step that you're going to take so that you don't forget it right and that's
1: yeah and see that's the the upstream thinking when i wasn't asking them like i would ask them do you know where we're located and they would say yes right but then i didn't follow that up Right. And I I can't tell you how many people I sent to other studios. Yeah, exactly. That's why that
0: was one of my questions there.
1: Yeah. So I say, do you know where we're located? And they say, yes. I say, great. Then, you know, we're located behind uh, Midland States Bank off of North Street and Bradley? Question mark. Yeah. And then I I still have people go, oh, I thought you were the studio on X Road. You know? Oh, no. no. And then I tell them, uh, no we're, we're located behind you know are you familiar with the bradley area da, 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 da. and then i even go the step further um and i tell them that you know look after we hang up uh I'll, I'll uh you know i'll process everything and then i'll send you a text with our with our address on it because i have right. a, saved, a saved reply mm-hmm. uh text in spark because you know how you can save yeah, yeah uh, of course a, a great, great feature so uh, that's one of the ones that's just saved And then I just click on it, boom, send it out. And then, of course, in our um, email, when we make the appointment and then our text message the day before and the day of both have our address in it as well. That's great. But that's just that upstream, you know, thought process that needs to happen. Yeah, because look, you have a scheduled trial and if they don't have the address
0: because we forgot or we didn't mention it, now they're off to Joe's Taekwondo down the road or whatever the case may be or, you know, karate or, you know, and, and then we miss out on all that hard work, our marketing and everything that we've done, the follow up and follow through brings them to a school and if they're good enough, they'll sign them up. You know, so I I also uh, with my client this morning, I said we should also have a sign up check sheet, you know, a cheat sheet. So like when you're sitting in front of the client, you know, you should be asking certain things like, hey, even at that point, if you want, we have a one month coupon. I'm going to give you five of those if you want to give them out to all your friends and family. Or have you ever, you know, we find that students always Uh, have their uniforms and they run and they're dirty or they're in the laundry. So right now I'd like to offer you 20% off on a second uniform and a second t-shirt, et cetera, et cetera. So while they're in the buying mode and it makes sense, right. You know, like, cause that's a common thing. I'm sorry. He's wearing a star Wars shirt because his uniform, we couldn't find it. Well, you need to buy a second one. But if I, if I give it to them that way, they're like, Oh yeah, well, you know, like it's a money grab. It sounds like, right. But if I did it ahead of time to prepare them for it, you know, that they, they know they're, they're going to run into situ, keep one in your car. Like I always had my daughter, we we were, I I had 50% custody of my daughter. And when her mom and I got divorced, great relationship, best of friends, but we always had different things at our houses. So in case she forgot, um, she had clothes. She had her shampoo. She had her makeup. She ha- So she literally, my daughter still at 21 years old, has two separate homes with two separate things. And, you know, so she does come with her backpack and all different things that she might want her computer. But overall, if she forgot everything, she could still work from my house or her mom's house. So it's helping
1: helping parents solve those issues before they happen. So we're upstream, right? Yeah. Well, and so like we even have, we have a, a, a survey that you take right after your first class. And I have it set up that obviously there's information that's going out to them, but, but I, I send it an hour after they have been at class. Mm-hmm. If, if they take that survey at the end of that survey, I send them to, um, the link where they can uh, um, refer someone. Mm -hmm. And I just say, you know, hey, uh, uh, you know, uh, thanks for coming, blah, 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 Um, use the link below, you know, uh, to, to invite someone to come to your next class with you.
0: That's awesome.
1: And then it's just set up on an automation that it all happens.
0: That's great. And again, that that automation process keeps the possibility of forgetting out because it's a computer. It doesn't get lazy. It doesn't get stupid. It doesn't get forgetful. It's a trigger that triggers a certain action based off a reaction. Right.
1: And not all the time are we talking to these people on the phone. So a lot of my trials, I would say 90 percent of all my trials there. I never talk to them till they come in. Right. So I didn't get a chance Mm-hmm. to even ask them to bring somebody right so after the first class and they're jazzed that's when i want them saying hey yeah. yeah i got his cousin or you know his his brother wants to do it now too or whatever
0: yeah and i have a lucrative referral program and even though we talk about it and it's on the app and all this other stuff um, people tend to like glance over it and don't realize how good it is. So I'll tell people, like, I just had a lady recommend a brand new member, recommend a friend who joined. And I'm like, you do know, you get a $50 credit on your tuition for this. And you also get points towards a, a year for free. You know, so I, five people, if they recommend five people that join for the year, they get a year for free. I mean, you know, my referral program, I talked about it forever. Um, so they were like, Oh my God, that's great. And this little kid in fact, it's the mother of the kid that I read their questionnaire. Um, they already have referred like seven people that not not all of them joined. But she's this kid is like a referral machine. And her mom is going to be happy because she's going to save, you know, eighteen hundred bucks for the year if she gets me five members. So so it's kind of, you know, it's kind of something that we need to. We have certain systems in our schools that we tend to forget Um, And then we tend to ignore or we don't do as much or as well as we could to continually keep the funnel going. And and that's another thing I liked about the book. It got me to think about what am I missing, you know, upstream or what systems do I have in place that maybe are not working? And in fact, chapter 11 uh, or chapter 10, uh, how will you avoid doing harm? And it's interesting when they talked about plastic bags. I remember this pretty fresh. I think it's this chapter, but they talked about the plastic bags and how many millions of plastic bags get thrown in the ocean and thrown in the trash. But when they eliminated plastic bags, there's a lot of loopholes. They eliminated two ply plastic bags, so everyone bought five ply plastic bags. And then when they eliminated them all together, people started doing other things to get around it, right? But then eventually, when they made it, uh, it made you pay for it. Um, then the plastic bag consumption dropped. But they said, though, when that dropped, other things like paper bags went up and it took way more to make a paper bag, even though that it decomposed better, but it was much more environmental damage going on because they were bulldozing trees and the chemicals to make the paper and all this other stuff. So they this, the chapter is about what are we doing that we think we're doing to help ourselves? Like what system are we putting in our schools that you have to check and everyone's got to do all this stuff and how is it turning people off or why is it doing more damage and so on and so forth? Have you ever had that in your school where you put in a system and it really was a lot of, a
1: you know, waste in a way? I, I probably have. I don't recall that, but I, I probably take longer in some cases to implement things that i should Mm -hmm. um and i think you know even my staff sometimes has uh equated my my waiting as procrastination right but there's oftentimes my waiting is for clarity right before i move forward with you know, this system or that system. And I'll give you maybe a quick, for instance, I had uh, master Kent, I would say he's my second right-hand man. And, uh, he, uh, there was a problem. And I asked him, you know, um, cause he solved it. Right. But then I asked him, you know, what was his thinking process behind what he solved? Mm-hmm. And he delivered that to me, which was good. Um, but he was only limited. I mean, he made the best decision he had on the, on the information that he had. Right. When I opened up this next, you know, level of information to him, he kind of was, it kind of opened his eyes to that the decision he made, it was right at the time, but it wasn't the, and it may have been the best decision at the time, but it wasn't the best, decision. Right. Especially based upon this new information, because the new information that I introduced had more of a long-term goal, a long-term view, which of course me as the owner has, I can see the lay of everything. Right. 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 Capped off at a certain spot. And so when I introduced that, then I said, okay, now, what do you think we should do? And he's like, oh yeah. And then I still needed to work with him a little bit, you know, to navigate that. Right. Right. But um, so, yeah, we, I probably have put things in that have ultimately been detrimental, but in the beginning sounded like they were going to be a good idea. Right. And so my my thing is it, it in some aspects, yes, you should do ready, fire, aim. But I think in, some, in other aspects, it's important to do ready, aim and then fire. Right.
0: Yeah, I, I think that even so maybe switch that even more and it'd be like aim ready and then fire right you mix it the two only because sometimes we have to line our sights up and then get ready and then pull the trigger so i think that sometimes as an owner you have the experience and this is where experience sometimes get wasted on the young or the new or the you know the, the people who are brand new to the job Um, And especially with school owners, like I see this all the time, I have another client that's always constantly, he's only been open for a few months, not even two months um, after he shut down for COVID. And he's always revitalizing everything. I'm like, dude, you haven't even given it enough time to get traction and you've changed it already. I said, you can't statistically even analyze what you're doing to see if it's right or wrong, because it's such a short period of time that you've been doing it. So I'm not saying do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. I'm saying, but you do need some time to kind of calculate the the data so that right. you can come up with some solution. And by the way, in the book, does that gets beaten to death a lot, is data analyzation. Um, he talks about it over and over and over again as far as what's going on. But well, rightfully so, though.
1: It's going to say in his defense it is vitally important for that data in, uh, my my in, inadequacy is yeah. that that's too much info for me like right. I, 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 I don't want all that info yeah I am not a uh, give me the 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 hundred data things although it's vitally important I just want it to be I, I want the abridged version.
0: Yeah. I'm the two minute snapshot type guy too. Like I, when an employee used to come in and give me this long winded thing after like a minute and a half, I already tuned them out and I'm waiting for the end so that I could tell them what I've already calculated what I wanted to do. Um, but I had to respectfully wait. So I'm like, listen, I taught all my people when they come to work for me that I like two minute snapshots. I don't want a long winded kind of explanation. Um, because that's just not how my mind works. Like I can't, I'm like, all right, already I've heard it all like don't give it to me again like it's it's torture to me so i find that interesting you're the same way and i think that's a high d like when they go on the disc chart um decisive you know it it, all those different letters that bring out personality traits you're a high d which is decisive action orientated and you don't wait and you know you know what you want you formulate that plan
1: pretty quickly fairly quick but I yeah. had to I had to develop that though because that, that I was actually a high C. Oh yeah, yeah. I was more of the aim, 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 aim. You know, oh. before I would fire.
0: Question: Should I pull the trigger? Should I aim some more? That kind of so, thing.
1: Yeah. So I still I still deal with that, um, because I I want to make the right decision the first time. Right. You know, uh, because I I, I don't want to redo it. It's not that I'm scared to do something all the time. Right. I I like to do it right the first time and and not revisit that thing again if I don't have to.
0: Yeah, I agree, and and that kind of leads into the next chapter that I I really enjoyed, which was uh, chapter eleven, which was uh, "Who will pay for what doesn't happen?" And I found that's interesting. Like, for example, I, I believe it talks about a lot of the medical industry. So. Where and, and I, I have personal experience when I had my store a touch of Zen used to sell teas like drinking tea, and um, I had this company that had preventative teas for you not to get sick, and then I had teas for when you got the flu, when you got the cold, when you were tired, when, and and my repair teas, the the pre- the preventative teas never sold, but the but the teas to fix the problem were always off the shelves, and that led me to believe like why don't you just buy the the teas to help your immune system beforehand? You'll never have to get sick, but they were in the, they were in the, uh, the um, not preventative, Down. they were in the, you know, the product downstream. Downstream um, and they were working on the solution as it hit them. So I, I love it. It also talked about how, um, you know, people would get sick and our medical system, which I can't stand a lot of it is all about healing the disease or, or subduing or minimizing, or, or like, you know, by taking, for example, um, I'm a diabetic and my doctor says, uh, I want to put you on statin. Cause, uh, and I'm like, what's statin? He's like, oh, it lowers your blood pressure and make sure he said, and I'm like, why does it, does my blood test show that I need statin? He's like, no, but typically people who are diabetic die of heart disease. So let's just nip it in the bud. I go, so your mentality is to give me a medicine that I might not even need just because statistically a lot of people with diabetes have heart, heart attacks. And he's like, yeah. And then I said, I'm not interested. And he goes, uh, well, it's not my fault then if you go to the emergency room with heart pain. I go, of course, it's never going to be your fault even if you put me on statin either. I said, but why would you just give me a medicine just because that's the trend? For diabetics, I said, maybe send me out to do tests and see if my heart is in good shape, if my arteries are clear. If I'm in, like, why would you just pop me into a medicine? Um, And it blows me away that this is how our world works. Like, we're always solving the solution. I think he even talked about insurance, like life insurance, you know, just in case we die, we have insurance. But then when we live and the insurance get canceled we wasted all that time so it's like a, what do we do kind of situation listen to the experts kind of thing
1: well, yeah and that's why i uh, you know with regards to the health coaching that i do that that turned me on even more because this is preventative right you know um i've got people that have gotten off of 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 um, uh, blood pressure and cholesterol medicine and yeah it, and and their their quality of life now has just skyrocketed and I also uh, not only are they losing weight because it's not just about getting their their body healthy, but it's also about getting their mind healthy. So now they're they're educated and, you know, the 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 different uh, healthy habits that are going to sustain them for the rest of their life as opposed to just taking, you know, just dieting because this is not a diet. I mean, that's not it at all. You know, right.
0: Well, that's amazing. Like I said to Mike Storm the other day, I I posted, he had a picture of some young woman that had lost like a hundred something pounds. And I said, your slogan should be making the world hot again. And you know, like (laughs) one, one hot chick at a time, you know, like, and he said, yeah, that would probably be fun. I'm like, I probably get in a lot of trouble just for saying that. But, um, but you know, I think that
1: that's. Did you see my my post where I, I, uh, I, I, I put, you know how you can do those little backgrounds, and you got the 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 little smiley face that's laughing, but it's laughing so hard it's crying. Yeah, yep. yep. So I set one of those up, and then I put I put the word me, and then uh, colon as if I was talking. Right. And I'm asking the question, what What are your health goals? Mm-hmm. And then I put new client in the in the in the colon, and then it says um, to only have one chin. That's,
0: that's true, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or I think I said your weight loss goals. And then they said, you know, to only have one chin and then I put funny, not funny, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's true though. And then you look at that and that's what this chapter was about, by the
0: way, it's like, we could go to the hospital and pay a fortune and even, ca- uh, you know, the government pays a fortune on correcting problems. And they had, I forget what state it was that did this test. I think it might've even been Michigan. Um, And they said, what if we put money into, and they said, if we had a health, a board of health people that could teach people how to be in better shape, um, eat correctly and not get obese and diabetics and, and all this other diseases that come from not taking care of yourself and eating properly, improperly, um, How much money would we save? But also, too, the the sad reality is the business machine is set up to take care of sick people. It it would really cut that business machine in half if they did the right thing and trained people ahead of time. It's like there used to be a great show, uh, Jamie Oliver, the chef, and he would go around each week and he would go to a county or a town and he would do this study where he'd change everyone's diets. Like he'd go into the school system and give them healthy lunches for a month. And he'd teach a family that all they had was pizzas and junk food and candies and all these cakes in their refrigerator and give them real food and teach them how to cook and how easy it was. Um, And he would literally change this this town into a more healthier community based on, I love the show. It it didn't last for more than a season because I guess people didn't want to hear about how they could fix their lives. But um, what about that? Like, let's just take our school, for example, what could we do in our schools to pay a little bit now, but save in the long run? And imagine if we had a retention specialist that we hired. Let's say we lost 50 students a year based on retention, but we're able to save, let's say the students pay $100 a month, that's like 60 grand. But let's say we hired someone for 25 grand and we're able to save 30 of those students, Right you'd still be making a massive profit by paying that person a decent salary because all their focus is,
1: all their focus is on is retention. Well, and then compound that though too, because that's, that's saving that the first year, right? You know, and then the next year. So you you, you only need to save all those people in the first year because then those people that have been saved are actually paying for that retention specialist the next year. And that retention specialist is saving another 30 that that following year. And so it just compounds. Yeah. But why is it, do you think that school owners won't do that?
0: And I, you know, I look at my retention, I always say, and we talked about this, uh, maybe the last call that retention is marketing or a few calls ago, like, you know, if you're spending money on new marketing, but you're losing, you know, those five out of every 10 that sign up over the course of a year, um, why not work on your retention focus heavily on communication with your clientele on keeping people happier and talking to them and making sure that they're hitting their goals and developing relationships spend your focus there because that's where you have to then you don't have to market as much either and also if you are marketing you're going to bring more people in and keep them and they're going to be happier and refer more and it's like
1: i'm not in uh, you are now. Yeah, it, it was glitchy. So I, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But yeah. yeah um, but I'm saying, imagine
0: how. Um how that would work if you're focused entirely on retention. I mean, it would literally change the financial landscape in your school because that's the problem in through the, it's a big industry buzzword in through the front door, out through the back door, holes in the bucket, you know, revolving door policies. Like why aren't we really working on system retention? That would be probably the first lesson to train martial arts schools
1: in so that they could grow their schools. So then, then that would be an upstream thought right 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 absolutely
0: okay without a doubt so anyway i think you uh, on a scale of one to five five being the best one being the worst where do you put this book in your view
1: well the concept is a five great the delivery for me was a three
0: okay and um yeah i i think that yeah, there were. I agree. I have to agree that sometimes it was dragged out a little bit. I think that honestly, the book could have been a few hundred pages shorter, um, or but or whatever. I know I read it on my iPad, so I, on my phone. Um, but uh, but anyway, I liked it. It really inspired me to look at my systems and redo them. And, um, I've already done a lot. So the book is very valuable to me. It cost me 20 bucks and I probably will end up making thousands on it because oh, I'm yeah. people changing my systems, thinking differently. So what a wor- worthwhile read. I, in fact, I did write, uh, to the publishers, uh, the, uh, the author I wrote to his management company to see if we could get him on the show. Um, so that would be cool if he ever did. But, uh, but yeah, I, I just I liked it, and now we're gonna go on. This is our third book of the year, right? We did um, Who Not How, Atomic Habits, and now Upstream. So you're gonna choose the next book. Let me know. Make it something interesting, though, so I don't like you know, have to fall asleep and read it. Just make it. But uh, but yeah, these books are super powerful. I think that everybody watching should be reading, even if they hate reading. Listen to it on audio. Um, but you need to get in the hat. All entrepreneurs that are successful. Are either improving their lives on a day-to-day basis if not minimum on a week and that's through education whether it be seminars or audio series or or books or videos so you should be
1: as a school owner in that mindset well and i'll just say mentally when you sit down and even just take five, 10 minutes to just read and and not have like so when i when i sit down and i do these um, I actually take my watch off cause there was a, just a notification that came in through right now. Yeah. You know, I take my watch off, I turn my computer speaker off, I sit in that chair that's back there and, and, and then I just focus on it for the, whatever, yeah, du- yeah whatever duration I've scheduled for, yeah. there's a mental, there's a mental escape that happens Absolutely. just, just even, you know, I'm not even talking about the information that I'm getting to learn. There's a mental escape from that. So I would absolutely. encourage everybody just to get a mental escape and uh, introduce some new information because that's uh, that's the only way that you're going to grow is by introducing new and go- good and new information. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I know we're just about out of time and we're going to roll our outro, which is going to be our... Um, sponsors that we have. And uh, please, if you're a listener and you have uh, any interest in promoting a product or a business that you have, get in touch with me or Dwayne. Um, and uh, let's uh, let's chat so that we can help you grow your business. And also uh, special thanks to the people that are supporting us you know and that are on this uh, outro. We talk about our podcast sponsors and expert. Uh, experts because they are experts and we're going to have some of them on again. We may even, if we have a topic, we may pull a few people in and say, Hey, join us at 1215. Um, we want to get your take on whatever we're talking about, just like they do on certain news channels.
1: Yeah. And on next week we we have a, uh, we have a guest coming on, right?
0: Yeah. Let me see who it is. Next week is, um, I'm not sure. I have to look. Who did I? Do you remember? Did I
1: book him already? Yeah. Well, I thought you said Chung Park.
0: Oh, yeah. Yes, that's true. I I don't I haven't verified yet exactly, but I think he said yes. Maybe I have verified and I didn't write it in my calendar. But Chung is the owner of Spark and such a highly motivated, talented martial artist, traditional guy. Um, So and we've had him on in the past. Right. A while ago.
1: I think we have. Yeah,
0: we go back. Okay. He was in his car. I remember in his car was cutting out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we'll have him again, and uh, it'll be inspirational because not only is he one of the owners of Spark, and then the other partner is Ron Sell, that I'd like to also uh, get on the show, also, uh, just talking about how they put this program together. And Chung is highly successful. He's got like multiple schools making oh, tons yeah. of money. Uh, billing volume is it, through the roof. So uh, he'd be great to talk to.
1: All right. Excellent. Thanks, Allie. And uh, just want to remind you, go to schoolownertalk.com to get more information on all the podcasts. And uh, yeah, I appreciate everybody. All right. Cool. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Martial Arts School Owner Talk podcast. This would not be possible if it weren't for the support of our amazing sponsors. Please check out EliteInsights.com for all your website needs. LeadHunterMedia.com, your online digital marketer and content provider. Academy King's BJJ Growth Consulting and Management at GrowMyAcademy.com. SparkMembership.com, the best darn software for school owner-manager on the planet. GetKarateStudents.com, a martial arts growth consulting company for all your school systems.